everybody. Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jeff. Joining me as usual is my other half, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, welcome to the show. Well, it is great to be here, man. Are you having a good time with all this baseball or what? Crazy games. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. been this has been like an NH. I mean, let's be honest, though. Baseball postseason is usually pretty exciting, but I feel yeah. like this this year's postseason is kind of giving me giving me an NHL postseason vibe. Like it's a lot of games that are close and go back and forth. Some uh, yeah. some some good stuff. Uh, the the Phillies are going to the World Series apparently. They are, and and we haven't found out yet as we record this who they'll be playing. But the Astros are up three games to none. You know, there's a lot of uh, I guess people that should be managers or involved in the higher ups in baseball and social media, they complain. <laughs> and I think most of them are probably Dodger fans. Uh, they complain that they were the best team by far in the regular season. And this playoff format is a joke because they're not advancing yet. Here are the Astros best yeah. team in the American league. And as of the time of this recording, they are up three, nothing in the ALCS. So I, I say, I say to you, that is a bunch of BS. <laughs> I'm on your side on this one, Jeff, for once. It's like, do we want to go back to where there was just a, a pennant and a World Series? I mean, is that what we want? I don't think so. Listen, I actually really enjoyed thinking back to the days, you know, when I first got into baseball, where there, there was the East and the West, the American League and the National League. You had to win your division. You go to the LCS. And uh, then you, you go to the World Series. But that being said, I mean, you, this is 2022. You can't have that in sports anymore. You got to have a bunch of playoffs. I actually think this is uh, I think this is a good format. I like getting the, the, the first series off if you're the top two teams. I think that's something to play for. I don't know. Some teams maybe like the Phillies want to don't want the time off. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. I mean, that goes both ways is from what I've seen is, is, you know, the layoffs have some teams maybe not playing as well, not as sharp. And in the same manner, some of the, you know, some of them are just well rested. Yeah. It's also, it's the playoffs. I mean, baseball is ebbs and flows. And if you happen to be in one of those ebbs, when the playoffs start, <laughs> it's going to suck for you regardless. Absolutely. So. But I, I do, I just do want to mention that we are recording this podcast with the roof open today. So anything, yeah. any jokes that land a little short, like a, by a foot or two, that that's our excuse. Major League Baseball <laughs> made us open the roof for this. Well, that's not bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> speaking of baseball, Mark, there are other there's other baseball getting ready to start right now. You know, we always talk during the offseason. We like to bring up other leagues that we can watch during the week to get our fix. The Dominican and Puerto Rican leagues getting ready to start. The Australian leagues going to be going strong again this year. Personally, one of my favorites right now, the T20 World Cup cricket is going on. Oh, if, fun. If you're not watching this, I really, it's so fun. If you don't understand it, it doesn't really matter. You'll figure it out, but it's it's. You know, there are so many similarities to baseball, and it's only 20 overs per side, so it's not a day-long thing. It's like a three-hour. It's like a baseball game. Yeah. And it's it's a lot of fun. If you've got Hulu and you've got you've got ESPN+, Plus, you can watch them all there. I watched the uh, India-Pakistan game. Those two countries obviously have their differences, but they're both great cricket countries, and it was a fun match. And, yeah, I really can't recommend cricket enough. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. But before we do that, Mark, let's uh, well, not before we do that. We just did that. But before we get into the main part of our show, let's uh, let's get a little BP in 
Uh, the roof's open. We need to familiarize ourselves with what the ball looks like in the sky and all that stuff. First of all, I wanted to mention uh, in Japan, the Climax series is going right now. Oh, nice. It, it yeah, is. I didn't know that. Yeah, so it, the Swallows were by far the best team you cult throughout the season. They're in the finals. Now, they won the first game, but the second game ended in a tie because oh, it's Japan. Well, yeah, yeah, that doesn't happen here. Yeah, no. Now, this one kind of caught me off guard. I think... I, I want to say I had seen this before because uh, obviously it's happened many times in Japan before. But yeah, they'll just tack another game on, I guess. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, TV's got to be loving it. That is one of those things you will never see here in the United States. I can guarantee you. No, you will, you will get 18 inning one to nothing games. Yeah. Well, even if they could end in a tie in the regular season, in the postseason, they would just say play till a winner. Yeah. Uh, Mark, do you play Wordle? I used to, man. It just got to be, I get stressed out by these games. I do play Wordle uh, still, but there was a a word last week that probably anybody listening that played probably had the exact same thought I did. It started with a Q and ended with a K. (laughs) So (laughs) now I don't expect if if you don't play Wordle to just immediately come to your head. But last week in Wax Packs Heroes, we pulled Jamie Cork. Yep. And as soon as I figured out that there was a U in there and where it went, I knew there was a Q in front of it and I had a K. So my first word was quirk as soon as I figured that out just after Jamie Quirk and I did it. I, <laughs> I, I'm wondering if maybe I solved the puzzle quicker than the average because it's, of that. Yeah, maybe if people that listen to the show were quicker to get it. Yeah, I think I think I got it in four guesses, but that cracked me up because he was literally in Wax Packs Heroes last week. He was, yep. All right. Has anybody ever called you a dingus, by the way? Not this week uh, or that I remember. No. So I was I was looking through some stuff and somebody pointed this out. So I looked it up in Merriam-Webster, which pretty sure that's the like the defining dictionary, right? That's what everyone thinks of. I would think think so. So one of their definitions is a dim-witted, silly, or foolish person often used in a joking or friendly manner. This is how they then use uh, the word dingus in a sentence to explain this definition. Quote, by most accounts, Hunter Strickland is actually a sweet fella, respected by his teammates, nice to fans, etc. But he sure is a dingus on the mound sometimes. (laughs) That's kind of funny. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Of course, Hunter Strickland, probably most famous for in 2017, hitting Bryce Harper, uh, Strickland was with the Giants at that point. Harper was with the, the Nationals for a perceived slight three years earlier, and which precipitated a brawl in which uh, Buster Posey, who was behind the plate for the Giants at the time, made no effort whatsoever to stop Bryce Harper from charging Hunter Strickland for this, which tells you what the rest of the Giants thought. But uh, I thought that was pretty funny that uh, the the. Dictionary of note, as it would be, mentioned Hunter Strickland when defining the word dingus. Somebody's a baseball fan with, with Merriam-Webster. I guess so. Also, yeah, it also said that dingus is also sometimes referred to as the button on top of a baseball hat. But we know that that is not right. No, no. That's a squatchy or a squatcho. Right. If you're avid listeners to the show, you would know that too. Yeah. Or just if you've got some common sense, it's not a dingus. 
Ah, another thing I, I saw this. This was very interesting. So Ranger Suarez of the Phillies, right? Mm-hmm. Cool name, first of all. Very. Has anybody ever played for a team that's in their name? So, like, would if Ranger Suarez ever played for the Rangers? Ooh. Now, I'll say this. There's teams with colors in their name, a lot of people. There have been a lot of browns, reds, whites. I'm, I'm taking that away. And you've got to actually, I want the team name, not the city name. So, there are a couple. First of all, there's Johnny Padres. Padres? <laughs> I don't know. He was a pitching coach for a long time. I don't I know. I always heard Johnny Padres. Okay. Well, we'll go Padres as opposed to Padres. Yeah. That's close. 1969. Now, there's a little technicality here. Mark Parent also played for the Padres at one point. That doesn't count. <laughs> That's good, man. Yeah. Well, like if Robbie Ray ever ends up in Tampa Bay, that works, yes, right? Absolutely. How, how about this one? Jose Rijo when he was on the Reds. Rijo. Very nice. Yeah. And Jose Cardinal played for the Cardinals briefly. Very nice. If only there was uh, somebody named Phil Lee who had ever played in in Philadelphia. (laughs) They would be the winner. But the Phillies did have a a player at one point named Dave Philly, who indeed, as I said, played for the Phillies 1958 through 1960. In that time, he had a one and a half war for them. So... Yeah, pretty good. He had a pretty good career. He played for 18 years. He was an outfielder and a first baseman. Uh, let's see. He's got some black ink. Led the league in caught stealing in 1947. Led the league in double plays grounded into in 1952. There you go. I mean, black ink's black ink. That's right. <laughs> he stuck around for 18 years. His name is Dave Philly, and he played for the Phillies. So what more do you want? That's really cool. All right, we've got a debut today. Really? This uh, this podcast is debuting on October 25th. Might be our last one for the year. There's only one person that made their debut today. I looked him up. Today, back in 1875, Sam Weaver made his oh, major man. league debut on the, the mound. Sam Weaver. Yeah, it was yeah. for it was for the Okay, this I didn't look at the team name here. Now, I'm just reading the team name. I the Philadelphia Whites. <laughs> now, this was obviously before uh, Jackie Robinson, so I apparently uh, that is uh, that probably need to workshop that name a little bit more. Uh, he did get the win in, in the game. He went six innings, complete game. Yeah, it's a complete game. They say it must have been a doubleheader. We had one of those last week in the old timey days when they only played six or seven innings. Uh, yes. He struck out two, walked two. But what I really wanted to, he, he played for six years. He made his debut in 1875, didn't make it back to the big leagues until 1878 when he came back with the Milwaukee Grays. He likes to play for these teams that have colors in their name. <laughs> there were only teams with, with adjectives, apparently. <laughs> well, and the, it was only black and white, too, and, and maybe grayscale because color TV had not been invented yet. Listen to this season. So he uh, appeared in 45 games. He finished with a record of 12 and 31, which that 31 losses led the league. I'm sure. Uh, (laughs) But this is the crazy thing. So first of all, this team was not good. They finished 15 and 45 and good. they had a They had a tie in there, too. Now, we don't put a lot of stock in ERA, especially in the 1800s, but his ERA with 31 losses was 1.95. 
What? <laughs> 1.95. He pitched 383 innings. Unheard of today, right? 371 hits. He gave up less than a hit per inning. That's insane. Oh, my gosh. And he lost 31 games. Get this. In 383 innings pitched, he struck out 95. He walked 21. (laughs) 21 walks. He led the league in whip as a starter with almost 400 innings with a 1.023 whip. And his walks per nine was 0.5. He could have been the best pitcher in the league had he been on not this team right no kidding so get this though let's look at he gave up 214 runs in those 383 innings 83 of them were earned (laughs) only a third of the innings he ever gave up were earned goodness that's a that is a tough luck pitcher that wanted to find it there you go yeah that is crazy like i said you can imagine being 15 and 45 they did not win the pennant (laughs) that the red sox won they they did finish 26 games out so it was it was closer than i would have given them you know the opportunity i was thinking more like 40 games out (laughs) well yeah it was it was only a 60 game schedule so still (laughs) (laughs) but there you go sam weaver I'd have him on my team. I really would. He he did okay. He did pitch for a couple of other teams. And, you know, to be fair, his next couple of two seasons, he went 26 and 15 and 24 and 22. Hmm. You know, he, was, he, he seems like he was more than serviceable. He just was on a very bad team. Uh, let's do a trivia question anyway. Just because okay. I saw this today. Let's get back in the swing of things. I got a trivia question that has to do with the the day that this is debuting, even. But uh, I want to know, who was the first pitcher to win a Cy Young Award in both leagues? Ooh, was it Cy Young? Oh, wait, no. It, no, he's unfortunately never finished. Never first. won a Cy Young. No. Yeah. Not that great if you haven't won a Cy Young. Ooh, I agree. But uh, that's it. We'll give you the answer next week, assuming there's no more debuts. I don't want to <laughs> speak out of turn but we'll assume there's no way debuts all right that's gonna do it for uh the bp segment of this show i am a little tight today i'm not i hit like 200 balls off the tee yesterday my back's a little sore so uh i'm gonna go in i'm gonna go get some physio and maybe uh joe musgrave can give me some of his icy hot that he rubs on his ears (laughs) before he takes yeah you know they sell that stuff Oh, yeah. do that. Oh, I thought it was you had to be a, a player. All right. No, well, no, I, I don't think so. Well, regardless, that's going to do it for our BP segment. Let's head into the main part of the show. And uh, I am going to hand this over to Mark. I don't know what uh, Mark's going to talk about, but just remember the roof is open, Mark. So you do have that as a safety net. And I appreciate uh, every second of the roof being open. So, yeah, you know how today I want to talk about uh, balls and strikes. Just the history of calling balls and strikes. It happened when I was doing some work studying the fashion race course series. And there was a quote that said, oh, this is the first recorded instance of an umpire calling a called strike was in the series. And I was like, excuse me, what does that even mean? Up until then, the umpire did not call pitches. The umpire would stand there and if you swung and missed, you got a strike on you. If you got three strikes, you you weren't out. The ball was just in play. 
So, so the catcher could just the catcher, catch it and throw it, throw it to first. And you, right. Or, you know, or whatever. You could have got a double out of it. I don't know. But it was kind of just the way things were. Now, catchers, you got to remember, in the 1850s, 1860s, not a lot of equipment to wear. They didn't have the mask. They didn't have the gloves. So they're back there barehanded. Well, they, they didn't have the, the, the chest protector or the chin guards either. I don't even, no. They didn't even have cups. No, no, it was a very difficult position. It still is. But man, back then they had uh, what they called swift pitching. And that was when a pitcher threw really, really hard. Swift pitchers, you know those guys? Is this before or after they were allowed to throw overhand and breaking their wrist? This is after. Okay. What they would do is a swift pitcher would just throw as hard as he absolutely could with, you know, not a whole lot of thought to accuracy because there were no, you couldn't walk a guy. It became like a kind of a dangerous thing in the same manner. If there were runners on base, a hitter would go up there and just take pitches and just take and take. And eventually because of the lack of catching equipment, a ball would get by the catcher and runners would move up. It sounds exciting. Oh boy. It was, it was called the waiting game back then. (laughs) And they just wouldn't swing at anything. Uh, and then in 1858, to go with the swinging strike, the umpire calling a strike if the batter refused to swing at a good pitch. And here's a little commentary from the New York Mercury, May 9th, 1858. This new rule is a very good one and will, if strictly enforced by umpires, effect a desirable reform. It will do away with the system very much in vogue the last two seasons of striker refusing all balls thrown them until the second base was cleared. What he's saying is it got real boring. Seven guys standing there. They'd wait for somebody to get on second, and then they wouldn't swing until there were enough wild pitches or pass balls that that guy came around and scored. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, the pitch count must have gotten kind of high, though. (laughs) Not sure they counted them back then. I couldn't find any pitch counts. I'm sure it was around three or 400. Probably felt great on the old arm. (laughs) And then they'd they'd show up the next day and be ready to go again. That's right. Yes, uh, here's another quote from the Mercury. Uh, Swift pitchers have apparently regarded it as very acme of skill in swift pitching to intimidate the batsman as much as possible and thereby so cloud his judgment as to induce him to bat at balls he cannot hit. But that was going to be done away with because they are bringing on the called ball. On three balls, you got to take your base. Problem was, nobody really seemed to care. New York City was kind of the epitome of baseball back then. And so there was a real uh, New York bias, which, you know, of course, doesn't exist <laughs> I'm anymore. glad that's gone away, thankfully. <laughs> but in New York, they just kind of looked at the new rule and they went, oh, well, that sounds interesting, but we're just not going to do it. In 1864, the new rule went into effect and umpires just went, eh, nah, uh, <laughs> not interested. They actually, there was there was the practice of calling strikes before 64, but there's very little evidence anybody ever did this. Um, the, the only example that's in uh, one of the articles I read, it says, uh, and this is from the New York Clipper in 1860. It says, the umpire, Mr. P. Welling, acted his part satisfactorily, except in one important part. He should have called out the strikes and foul balls in a loud voice. An umpire should always give his decisions promptly and call foul balls and strikes distinctly so that all may hear. Well, that went a little too far, as we know, within the modern umpire. But anyway, calling balls and strikes, this was an odd thing. They liked it. 
but it didn't happen a whole lot. It got to a point, this is kind of weird too, where players would get called a, a walk and they would refuse to take first base because it was dishonorable. I think pretty sure that's why Manny Ramirez refused that one time. It was, it was After he got hit by a pitch, he did not want to go to first. He would That's rather right. stay at the plate. Totally classic moment. Yeah. So here's the weird thing about it. He didn't just go ball one, ball two, ball three, ball four. If the pitcher missed two or three times, the umpire would say, okay, next pitch is going to be a ball. I'm going to call it. <laughs> Don't swing. That's right. No, it's it's going to be a ball if it's outside the strike zone. Sorry. It, it, but he didn't call it on ball one, ball two, ball three, take your base. It would be like, eh, eh I'm not going to call this one yet. Yeah, you've thrown three or four in a row. We're going to call ball one. Uh, here's another example from the New York Clipper. This is a, it's not an actual ship. It was a newspaper. Uh, section 37 of the rules allowing for called strikes is a deal letter. Again, when a strike has stood at the home base long enough, to allow a dozen balls not plainly out of reach to pass him, he should at once be made to declare where he wants a ball. And the first ball that comes within the distance pointed out, if not struck out, should be declared one strike. The second, two strikes, and the third, three. If this were done, a stop would at once be put to the unmanly and mean waiting game frequently played, and the cause of much unpleasantness removed. Unmanly? <laughs> wow. <laughs> unmanly. That's... Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. you, you weren't out there just standing there if you were manly. Uh, out of all the matches we have reported this season, we have yet to see the umpire having moral courage enough to call strikes on a batsman who willfully breaks the 37th rule of the game. So, <laughs> very opinionated piece, but uh, probably right on. Uh, the uh, Sunday Mercury also talked about it in 64. Hitherto, umpires have refrained from calling strikes on batsmen who have refused to strike at good balls because there has been nothing to offset the advantage thus given to the pitcher. There being no rule hitherto whereby the umpire could inflict a penalty on the pitcher as well as the batsman for his unfair practices. This new rule remedies this evil, (laughs) evil, and now we shall no doubt see both batsmen and pitchers kept down to their legitimate work by the threat of imposing the penalties. The rules now inflict upon both parties. So balls and strikes are penalties, just so you know. I feel like the author got paid by the number of times they wrote the word hitherto. I never used it. Do you ever use hitherto? Well, you just used it twice, so... No, I, I was quoting. And, and I've used it now in this podcast as well, so... That's true. We should get a bonus. Yeah. We're going to get double what we normally make on this podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> well, this new rule caused a lot of confusion, Uh, Here's a a note in the Brooklyn Eagle in 1864, June 13th. It was a game, Empire versus Active. You have any (laughs) idea who they are? (laughs) No, but I do want to clarify. You you said earlier that it was the Yankee Clipper was not an actual ship. Now, is this a bird or is this another newspaper? (laughs) This, uh, let me take a look. The Brooklyn Eagle. I believe it was a newspaper, okay. not just I just one wanted to, I, that was lived in Brooklyn. I don't want us to get nicked on kangaroo court for something. So I yes, okay. The Brooklyn Eagle, another newspaper. Uh, it said, here's the quote. The Empire and Active match on Saturday at Hoboken turned out to be a very singular contest. It being made so by the very novel interpretation of a rule by McMahon of the Mutual who acted as umpire on the occasion. From the first to the last innings, he called balls on the pitcher every time he failed to deliver the ball exactly where the striker pointed out. And also when the striker failed on his part to strike at the first ball that came to him, 
where he had said he wanted it, he called strikes on him. Decisions throughout being thoroughly impartial and consistent with his peculiar definition of the rule. Can you believe that? The guy was calling balls and strikes? <laughs> Weirdo. They should have, they really should have imposed robo-umps by this point. <laughs> That's right. Where was the robo-ump? Or they That's could have just cool. set up a lawn chair behind home plate like, you know, you did when you played wiffle ball. Hits the chair, it's a strike. That's right. So, you know, the New York Knickerbockers, which we have discussed on numerous occasions, they were kind of the a favorite basketball team. Yes. Are we, yes. we going to talk NBA now? Yes, okay. that's it. No, we're not. Um, oh. Not the Knicks, the Knickerbockers. Um, what? <laughs> what do you think the Knicks are short for? <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought they were short for guys named Nick. Anyway, uh, the New York Sunday Mercury again, which apparently is a baseball paper of record. Uh, after I've gone through all these quotes, it said, uh, and this is amazing, the Knickerbockers play ball in the spirit it ought to be played and not as if it were an important business to be attended to as a business. Another thing we notice, and this is as in other respects, their example should be followed. And that is that even in their practice games, they play according to the strict rules of the game. Balls being called for unfair delivery and strikes for a failure to bat at good balls as promptly as if they were engaged in a regular match. This is the right way to practice, even for the fun of the thing, as the saying is. Practice like you play. Yeah, weird, right? Yeah, and so by 1866, people were calling balls and strikes, umpires were calling balls and strikes. There were instances where batters would not take their base. Like I said earlier, it wasn't honorable to take their base. Sunday Mercury had a little commentary on that too. Uh, this was at a game, uh, the Eureka of Newark versus the Union of Morrisania. This was in 612-1866. Didn't the Morrisania, didn't, wasn't that the first ship that sailed around the uh, Cape Hope or Fear or something? No, Morrisania was the lead singer for the Smiths. Oh, okay. Yeah, I get <laughs> right. a mixed up. I'm sorry. Hitherto, yeah. I will not inject <laughs> On ship names. Bonus points. Bonus points. Okay. So here, here's what the the Mercury had to say. The pitcher opened play in the fifth inning and was sent to his first base on three balls. He was hitting. And as usual, he took the base very reluctantly. There appears to be a considerable objection to taking a base on three balls on the part of the players. And in this, they show both a lack of sense and great inconsistency of conduct. There is not a player who, the moment a ball is missed on the bound of the third strike, won't run as fast as he can for his base, and he will run just as early for it and take it readily on a missed fly catch from a poor hit, and yet will make a fuss about taking a base on three balls. In the first place, a base made either on the third strike or a missed catch from a poor hit is really a discredit to the batsman, and he would be right in feeling ashamed of it. But there's no discredit in taking a base on three balls, and we hope to see the boyish objection shown by players in this respect done away with. So they called out their manhood and then called them boyish for not <laughs> taking a walk. I like your take on this, Jeff. This is good. I mean, I'm all about getting on base. So, you know, this is uh, these guys. I'm, they're not they're they're not impressing me. Well, well, that's exactly right. And And as I read, I realized that one of the reasons we look at batting average instead of on base percentage is is just because it's something we have done since the 1860s. Or before, batting average mattered. Getting on base by hitting a good ball mattered. You know, and just like we, you don't get, you don't improve your batting average by getting on an error, which was, you know, what did it say? It was uh, not legitimate. 
Um, not manly. Not manly. It wasn't manly to get on on there. You know, it even vestiges of it even exists today as we're looking at batting average as the most important. You know, when a guy goes up to the plate, we look at batting average, home runs, and RBIs. Umpires eventually came around and would call uh, balls and strikes, but they were criticized a lot for, for bad calls. Well, um, that'll go you know, away too. That, that, yeah, oh, it's yeah, just a thing that never past. stuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why were the umpires reluctant to enforce the rules? Uh, the article I read had a very good explanation. It basically said that it expanded the role of the umpire and made more opportunities to critique the man's or woman's abilities to call strikes, balls, outs, uh, foul balls, etc. Um, it just opened up more criticism. You know, that, that wasn't popular with umpires. Umpires back then were basically, uh, there was no umpires union or full-time umpires. An umpire would be a player from another team who wasn't playing in that game, who they talked into umpiring. And so they were reluctant to call. They were reluctant to step into criticism. That makes sense, though, because what if one of you're umpiring a game between two teams? What if one of those players is umpiring your game next week and you don't (laughs) you don't want to walk? It's a it's a you scratch my back. I'll scratch your type. Yeah, exactly. And the players did not like the new rule. And so the umpires, they were also players. And so, you know, they would try to be impartial, but in the same manner, like you said, they don't want to get called out on strikes the next time somebody from that team is umpiring a game they're playing in. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. And that was part of the problem. Another thing is that just the institution of baseball itself is slow to accept and adapt change, you know, still is. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think we're just very careful. Uh, a little bit too much on some cases, but back then it was the same idea. It was a new rule. It wasn't cool. It didn't, it wasn't played the way the baseball was meant to be played, which is if baseball was played the minute way it was meant to be played, there would be no balls and strikes. You just throw the ball in there and accept your fate. So over the course of about 20 years, it took, it took that long to get umpires to consistently enforce called balls and strikes. So it was, it was not something that uh, that just happened overnight. It wasn't, it, I mean, it was a rule that happened overnight, but nobody paid attention to it, especially in New York. So there you have it. Balls and strikes were not a big part of the game. In fact, weren't part of the game at all for a, quite a, long, a number of years. All right, that's going to do it for the main part of the show. That's going to take us to the final segment, the segment that uh, we like to call, and so we do, Wax Packs Heroes. Wax Pack Heroes! All right, if you are new to uh, this podcast, this is the final segment of the show where Mark and I go uh, mano y mano, 1v1 with some uh, wax-coated cardboard uh, pieces of uh, material. I don't know. They're baseball cards. <laughs> They're generally they from the Wax Packs era. Uh, we're going to open them up. We're going to take a look at the uh, baseball reference war for that player for the year that the card was published, and we will add those up. But that is not where it ends. We have some other rules as well, some things that can add or subtract points to that total. First of all, if there is anything on this player's face, that means glasses, that means flip downs, that means eye black, 
anything like that, you're gonna get an extra tenth of a point of war. Same thing if they're wearing real stirrups where we can see sanitary socks, or if they've got sweatbands with their caricature or number on it. If they played any of their final three seasons in Seattle, because that's where, especially during the 80s and 90s, old baseball players went to die, you get a tenth of a point for each of those seasons. If they are wearing two flaps or no flaps on their batting helmet, if they are batting without batting gloves, those are also each worth a tenth of a point of war. If they're wearing the two-in-one stirrups, we're not fans. Therefore, we're going to minus a tenth of a point on that. If they won any awards the year of the card, Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, MVP, if they were an all-star or won a gold glove, that is a whole half a point each. If there is a Hall of Famer on the card, whether it's who we're talking about or not, you get a whole point of war for that. If Ricky Henderson makes an appearance, I get a plus five, minus five for Mark. If Nolan Ryan makes an appearance, I get a minus five and Mark gets a plus five. And we're also going to both choose a team. And if that team shows up in either pack, I get half a point. If Mark's shows up, I also get a half a point for that new rule. And the, okay. nobody, there's no, uh, nobody was, uh, there, there were no, uh, no nays about that new rule. So Mark, uh, said okay. <laughs> what, uh, who, uh, who's your team for this week? I'm going to go with the New York Yankees. Okay. Cause you're a big New York Yankees fan. I just, I don't think I've ever selected the Yankees before. All right. Well, I'll choose the, uh, the New York Mets then. Ooh, the Metropolitans. You're actually a fan though. I am. Now, how come you knew that the Metropolitans are shortened to Mets, but you didn't know that the Knicks were shortened from Knickerbockers? I'm still challenging that. I think they're named after the first, like the first five players on the, on the New York Knicks. Knicks were named They Nick. formed a team because they, they were in a Facebook group for guys named Nick. That's right. Just like the Rays. And then they're like, hey, you want to hoop it up this weekend? Meet you down at the Y. And then that's how it happened. <laughs> James Naismith is like, I'll allow it. Yes. All right. Mark, I've uh, looking at the scoreboard, I've got a two win lead. I'm up 11 to nine. We're playing to 20. You're the two time defending champ, maybe three. I don't know. I've kind of forgotten. Uh, I got two different packs today. I have got a 1992 score and I have got a 1991 Donruss in this mint green wrapper that is actually disgusting. I am disgusted looking at it. Which one do you want? I'm going to go right. Well, you, you always make me choose left I know, right. but I'm not holding either of them. I just told you you got two packs. <laughs> Which one is further right if you look at it? Uh, well, no, this, I'll, go with, I'll go with score, actually. Okay, well, that was further to my right. So thanks for giving me the mint green stuff. All <laughs> I right. wanted you to have it. All right, there are 16 cards in this pack, Mark, so you're going to need to lose some. Do you want to lose them from the top or bottom? The top. The top, okay. All right. Well, I can see in the back you've got an Oakland A, so I'm glad you didn't lose that. All right. So, let's just, oh, 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 oh no, Mark, you what? have made the wrong decision. I, I cannot tell you how wrong of a decision you have made. All right. So you've lost Jim Eisenreich. You've lost a nasty boy in Randy Myers. You've lost one of the Chris Carpenters. Which one? I don't know because we can't keep them straight. Uh, you've lost Kevin Reimer. Doug Pyatt, and your final two cards are a highlight and a no-hit club card. One is Ricky Henderson, and the other is Nolan Ryan. (laughs) Wow. Wow. That's nuts. (laughs) That's crazy. There's a pack with both of our guys in it. And it doesn't get used. (laughs) It's butt kiss. Nothing. Zero. Nada. 
Wow. And I lost Jim Eisenreich. Yeah, uh, hitherto, that rule is going to be known as the Mark rule right there. <laughs> Well, I'm proud to have something named after me. <laughs> All right. Well, you, immediately following the Nolan Ryan no-hit club, you've got another no-hit club card with Wilson Alvarez from the White Sox. I remember that. All right. Well, Wilson Alvarez, left-hander, 14 years in the big leagues, half of it with the White Sox, also played for the Rays, Dodgers, Giants, and Rangers. In 1992, just his third year, really his first full year in the big leagues, only started nine games. He went 5-3 and three in 34 games total, a 5.2 ERA, 100 innings, pitch, 66 strikeouts, 75 ERA plus. And uh, that will equal a war of minus 1.3. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I'd like to change which cards I drop. <laughs> wow. And uh, looking at this, you know, I'm going to I'm going to say he's got real stirrups on. I don't see the horseshoe, but I also don't see the trademark. Oh, no, no. I can see white between the uh, the the bottom of the stirrup and his shoe. So it just gets worse from oh, here. Geez. And minus one point four to start out with. Well, that's not the start I was looking for. No, he's you've done better. Wilson Alvarez, part of that fire sale in 97, he was traded with Danny Darwin to the Giants for, amongst others, Keith Folk and Bobby Howery. I think Roberto Hernandez was in that trade. Um, oh, yes, and Roberto Hernandez. Thank you. I forgot that. Uh, do you remember who he threw the no-hitter against? Oh, man. Uh, I don't. It was the Baltimore Orioles. He ended up uh, struck out seven and walked five. So a game took five and a no hitter, but game took two two hours and 45 minutes. Also, he was traded with Scott Fletcher and Sammy Sosa to the White Sox for Harold Baines and Fred Manrique. Frankly, I think that's a bigger deal than the than the 97 trade, if I'm being honest. I agree. You get Sosa. Fletcher was a very serviceable infielder. And then Harold Baines is a Hall of Famer. And Fred Manrique is the guy that signed uh, signed. Jose Altuve. Wow. That's a pretty good, uh, pretty good trade. When he pitched that no hitter against Baltimore, uh, it was only a second major league start, which is kind of funny because his first, he gave, he faced five batters against the Rangers, gave up two walks, a single and two home runs. So he had an infinite ERA before he pitched the no hitter. (laughs) And then it came down quite a bit. (laughs) All right. Your next card uh, has got some sweet science teacher glasses on here with the Orioles, Leo Gomez. Very nice. Go science teachers. These aren't, these are actually more like hunting glasses. They're the size of those science teacher glasses I always refer to, but they're, they're tinted yellow. (laughs) Even better. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not saying it's a good look. All right. So Leo Gomez played seven years in the big leagues, uh, six of it with the Orioles and then uh, one year with the Cubs. In fact, he might have, let's see, was he in that game that was, uh, oh, he was the third baseman for the Orioles when Wilson Alvarez no hit them. And he drew one of the walks. Wow. How about that? Uh, Let's see. In 1992, 137 games as the third baseman, hit 265, 17 home runs, 64 RBI, and a 118 OPS plus. And that will equal a war of 2.7 plus the glasses will be a 2.8. Very nice. Wow. Unexpected. I thought about giving you more because they're tinted yellow, but I'm, I'm going to go against it. <laughs> it's not part of the rules. going to say no. It's an unwritten rule. So we spent some time in Japan, actually four seasons in Japan. 
Nice. Including a, he was named to the best nine squad there. So apparently he, he played a couple of years there, came back, signed with the Pirates, didn't play much in the spring, asked for his release, and went back to Japan and hit 306. So <laughs> it's a okay. good uh, good time, uh, good years in Japan. All right, mm-hmm. so you're 1.4 in the positive now. Your next card is a catcher. Whoa, this card is weird. There is a floating baseball glove. Uh, so this card, it, there's an action shot taking up three quarters of the card and then a orange stripe with the team logo and part of the player might you know bleed into that this is benito santiago but there is just a floating glove in that orange uh, orange stripe i don't know who it belongs to that's interesting unless i mean he's got his mask off maybe it's the pitchers backing him up for a play at home play i don't know but it's weird but it's benito benito Awesome ball player. Number uh, number zero seven in your program, but number one in your heart. There you go. Uh, I'm sorry, number zero nine. Yes, he was 09. You know why he wanted 09? I feel like we've mentioned it, but I don't remember. He, ne- he never had a double digit number in his entire life, so he wanted one. He was number 10 when he came up with San Diego as a rookie, so I've punched a hole in that theory. Well, that's what he said. I don't know what to tell you. Well, he's a liar. You lying, lying, Benito. All right, Santiago, 20 years in the big league, seven with the Padres, and then every other team almost that you could think of, except for the except for the Mariners, did not play for them at the end. All right, so 1992, an all-star year for Benito with the Padres, hit 251, 10 home runs, 42 RBI, 87 OPS plus, and all of that will be a 1.2 plus an all-star will be a 1.7. He does have eye black on. And he's got a mustache as well. So that will help you out there. And all of that equal a 1.9. Nice. All right. So uh, Benito, we won't go anymore. We do see the word Mitchell report here in his uh, bio. So we'll next year or next uh, season, that's going to be a minus point. It is. It is. All right. Here we go. Uh, Next, you've got a pitcher here with the Giants who, yes, I I think of him as a giant because he played for them and was a pitching coach for them. But I think of him mainly as a Yankee. It's rags. Dave Rigetti. Yeah. I always think of, of Rigetti as a Yankee. No question. They had rags and pegs. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I'm surprised you didn't get like a pasta reference from Dave Rigetti. <laughs> Too easy. Too easy. All right. Well, let's see. In uh, 1992, at the age of 33, he went two and seven with a 5.06 for the Giants. Three saves in 78 innings, a 66 ERA plus. And all of that will equal a minus 1.5. Ouch! You've had a minus 0.3, well, minus 2.9 total uh, today, which is odd. These are large numbers to to be minuses. Man, no kidding. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's tough tough sledding there. Uh, Rags never won, a, never won a World Series. I mean, he was with the Yankees in the 80s and the Giants in the 90s, so it makes sense, but still. Uh, Let's see, threw a no-hitter against the Red Sox in 1983, the first Yankee no-hitter since Don Larson's perfect game in the 56 World Series, and the first by a lefty for the Yankees since 1917. Wow. That's a a long time. Next, you have got uh, a guy, a middle infielder. Here he is uh, turning a double play, jumping over a sliding penitentiary face. It's Chico Lean. Oh, man, I haven't thought of Chico Lean in quite a while. 
Jose leaned all. It says he was 5'11. There is no way Jose leaned was 5'11. He had to be standing on two phone books to be 5'11. Yeah. Let's see. In 19, well, first of all, nine years in the big leagues, six of it with the Bucks, 92, 135 games. He won a gold glove at second. That's good news for you. He hit 235. That's about to be expected. No home runs. That is also to be expected. 39 RBI and a 55 OPS plus. That will equal a war of minus 1.7. What is going on? I'm trying to set a record here. Yeah, you really are. Now, he was an all star, so that'll only be a minus 1.2. He does have a mustache here as well, so that'll be a minus 1.1. But uh, that's gonna that's gonna be it. But that's still a minus one point one, which will uh, knock you down to zero point seven now. That's, um, uh, that's, that's low. That's not a real good score at yeah, this point. That is uh, that is low. I don't know if we want to talk about Jose Lean's personal life though. Oh, is he gonna be added? Uh, yeah, <laughs> we're gonna go ahead and throw his name on the do not talk about list. Or uh, Jose Lean. And it's not about, you know, we'll talk about steroids, but when you're doing the stuff that like he or some of these other guys, we're not going to Can talk I about talk that. about how he was in an accident and when the cop showed up, he was naked from the waist down? No? <laughs> yes, you can. If he was naked from the waist up, we might have to give pause. <laughs> but the waist down is fair game. Okay, that's cool. All right. Uh, next, you've got a, well, you're going to get some points out here because he's got real stirrups and he's got a, a good beard and mustache. Because he's Bedrock. Steve Bedrosian. Oh, gotta love him. All right. Let's see. Bedrosian, 14 years in the big leagues. Uh, Of that, eight was with Atlanta, four with Philly, two with the Giants, and one with Minnesota. In 1992, though, that was his gap year. He left the Twins, and before signing with Atlanta in the 93 season, he did not play. Oh, great. In 1992. So the good news for you, though, is that uh, you're going to get a positive point two because of the stirrups and the mustache. <laughs> he didn't give me a negative. I yeah, appreciate frankly, that. Frankly, that's your best card in the last little bit there. So, <laughs> no. yeah, it's uh, it's not not what I was hoping for today. You know, three guys with over a minus one. Let's see a rare reliever to win the National League Cy Young Award. Not just the National League to, to win a Cy Young Award. Uh, so he's got that going for him. That is impressive. That does not happen often. All right. So you're at point nine. You have three cards left, my friend. This is not your. <laughs> you had a fantastic pack and you I threw did. it away. I had Hall of Famers and everything. And Jim Eisenreich. All right. Well, the good news for you is, is this is a Yankee. So you're going to get some points right off the bat. He's got a mustache. He's got eye black. Uh, he is wearing two and ones, though. Mm. But he is one of our all time favorite first basemen. He's Donnie Baseball. Don Mattingly. Gotta love him. Him, you can talk about his personal life. Sure. I, I hope he ends up somewhere. The Marlins announced that he wasn't coming back. I hope he I hope he comes back. I like Don Mattingly. Uh, there's got to be a home for the hitman. Let's see here. Uh, Mattingly, 14 years in the big leagues. If you have to ask what team he played for, well, we already told you, but that was the only team. He, let's see. Uh, in those 14 years, total t- 2,153 hits, led the league twice, won a batting title in 1984, uh, let's see, MVP that he stole from Ricky Henderson that he wouldn't have won if Ricky Henderson, you know, wouldn't have been his teammate that year. But nevertheless deserving. Six-time All-Star, nine gold gloves. I mentioned the batting title. He's also been the manager of the year. In 1992, wasn't hurt yet. Played in 157 games. Hit 288, 14 home runs, 86 RBI. Three stolen bases, no caught stealing. Very nice. Look at him hustling. Speed doesn't slump, my man. Uh, 108 <laughs> 
OPS plus. He did win a gold glove that year and overall a war of 2.8. So let's see, 2.8. He has got the gold glove, so that will be a 3.3. And then the you're just going to get one extra point for a 3.4 because he's got those two and ones too. 3.4, that is about four times your title, your uh, total going into that. All right, we've talked about Donnie quite a bit, so let's go on to your second to last card. This guy uh, was a Mariner uh, pitching coach at one point. I, For some reason, I think he threw a no-hitter, but we'll have to check. It's uh, Chris Bazio here with the Brewers. Bazio did throw a no-hitter. I was actually there. That's right. Was it, was, fan. it was for the, for the Mariners. That's right. It was. Wasn't the last out, didn't like Omar barehand it? in the infield instead yep. of catching it with his glove. He had to, he had to bust in, grab it barehanded and throw it. Yeah. Yeah. Now I remember. Cause I was, I was in school at that point. I remember I was listening to Dave Niehaus on the radio in my room, actually doing schoolwork. Very nice. All right. Uh, Chris Bazio, 11 years in the big leagues. Good news for you. His last four seasons were in Seattle. Nice. So there's some points for you right there. Let's see. In 1992 is his final year in Milwaukee. He went 16 and six with a 3.62 ERA. Very wow. good. 231 innings pitched, 120 strikeouts, a 107 ERA plus, and that will equal a WAR of 3.3. You're going to get three tenths of a point for those last three seasons. So that'll be a 3.6. He is wearing. Two and ones, though, so that will be a 3.5. He does have a mustache. That'll bump you back up to 3.6. At least somebody showed up for the game today. Yeah, you're Donnie Baseball and, and Bazio are your only That's two. It. Jeez. Your only two guys. Rough day at the yard. Yeah, I didn't remember this. So Bazio's no hitter in 93. He retired the last 27 straight Red Sox hitters. He walked the first two to open the game and was perfect after that. Wow. It was Ernest Riles that, that uh, hit the ball that Omar had to barehand. Okay, there you go. All right, so your final card is a Oakland Athletic. He's got the two-and-ones, and he's got flip-downs, but he does have eye black as well. So you're going to get at least a tenth of a point out of this guy that if you're going to pay him like Mike Gallego, he's going to play like Mike Gallego. <laughs> I'm speaking actually of Mike Gallego because Ricky Henderson actually said that, but you already had your Ricky Henderson card That's and right. decided to just disregard it. So that this is really going to be your uh, Merkel's boner. It really is. Is, is this <laughs> of choosing to, to get rid of the top cards in this fantastic pack. <laughs> Mike Gallego, 13 years in the big leagues, eight with Oakland, two in New York and two in uh, St. Louis. All right, let's see. In 1992 was his first year with the Yankees. 53 games as a shortstop second baseman. Three home runs, 14 RBI, a 254 average, and a 99 OPS plus. And all of that together will equal a 1.4. Not bad for Gallego. Yeah, jeez. And plus you'll get the extra tenth of a point, so that'll be a 1.5. I'll take that out of my Gallego. Yeah, so that will, uh, that will end your turn. Well, last week you were in the 20s. This week you end with a 9.4. Not quite as, as good as last week. No, but I mean, 9.4 is better than the negative three I thought I was sitting at. Yeah, you had some rough cards. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to say it. 
<laughs> All right, well, I'm feeling confident here. So my 91 Donruss, I have got, how many cards they stick in here? 15, so I'm going to have to lose some. I'm going to lose the bottom six. <laughs> I'm just going to say, I'm not going to fall into your trap. All right, so who am I going to lose? I'm going to lose Jeff Reed, catcher for the Reds. I'm going to lose Danny Darwin. That one might be a good one. Tom Browning. Atlee Hammaker, who we mentioned last week. Uh, Rex Hudler, one of my least favorite announcers in the history of the game. And Hall of Famer Jack Morris. Oops. Well, it's not like I'm losing Ricky Henderson and right. Nolan Ryan. <laughs> no, no, it's not like that. <laughs> so, all right. Well, uh, leading off. All right. This is interesting. Leading off a good spring training shot here for one of my all-time favorite athletics. So much uh, do I like him that I'm actually wearing his number at, uh, at fantasy camp this year. It's Lance O'Darn. You've sunk my Blankenship. Lance Blankenship. Absolutely. I was a big fan of his as well. And a rare A that's wearing real stirrups here, too. So I like wow. that. Uh, let's see. Lance, six years in the big leagues. All of it with the good guys. All of it with Oakland. <laughs> let's see. 1991. He appeared in 90 games where he played just about everywhere for the A's. He hit 249, three home runs, 21 RPI, 12 stolen bases, only caught three times. Nice. That's pretty good. Uh, let's see, a 94 OPS plus, and all of that will equal a war of 1.5 plus the stirrups will be a plus 1.6, which I believe you were like a minus 0.6 on your first card. I believe I was. <laughs> so already uh, feeling better. Really? Well, he's got a World Series ring. He might not have played for a long time, but he was on that 89 team. So it, it was there. All right. Bad news for me is I've got a Yankee. Oh, nice. Uh, it is somebody that uh, was traded for Ricky Henderson, I believe, twice. <laughs> now, in this picture, though, he has got some real stirrups, and he's got some uh, science teacher glasses on here. It is Eric Plunk. Eric Kerr Plunk. Let's see. Eric Plunk uh, pitched quite a while, 14 years in the big leagues. Seven with Cleveland, four with Oakland, three with the Yankees, and two with the Brewers. In 1991 with the Yankees, he went two and five. Let's see, with a 4.76 ERA, 111 innings pitched, 103 strikeouts, 87 ERA plus, and that will equal a war of minus 0.1. Plus, Ooh. he's on the Yankees, so that's minus 0.5. And then uh, I'll get a positive two tenths of a point for the stirrups and the glasses, so that will be a minus. So that'll be a minus 0.4. Uh, it could be worse. I'm not gonna lie. I don't think. Well, he, I think yeah, he was, you could look at my cards. I think he was just traded once for Ricky Henderson. Uh, no, what? no, check that wrong. No, he was traded by the Yankees with Jose Rijos uh, for Ricky Henderson. And then he was traded uh, with Ricky. He was traded twice. I'm having a rough time today. He was traded twice for Ricky Henderson. That's all that counts. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's very complicated. It's a rough day. There's, it's kind of weird. There's waiver wires and uh, draft right. picks involved. So, yeah. All right, now my next card is a member of the Dodgers. It is Jay Howell, the third. <laughs> not Thurston Jay Howell, the third. <laughs> oh, is that? That's Jay Howell, that's, yeah. That's not what that stands for. Okay. Unless they make Gilligan's Island cards. Oh, I guarantee you they do. I can promise you they do. Uh, let's see, Jay Howell in the big leagues for 15 years. Mm, let's see, five with the Dodgers. He spread it out. He was with a lot of teams. He was with Oakland for three as well. In 92 with the Dodgers, he went one and three with a 1.54 ERA in 41 games with four saves and a 227 ERA plus. 
this might be trending the right way. Mm. Uh, let's see. And all of that equals a war of 0.7. So <laughs> not really great, but I'll take it. <laughs> it was positive. It was better than some of the stuff I had. Yeah, this, this pack also was very loosely packed. Um, mm. So, uh, you know, as I said, sometimes people go through these and... Uh, Help themselves, shall we say? You know what? Uh, Jay Howell also trade in that trade for Ricky Henderson between the Yankees. Oh, jeez, weird. So if they're traded for Ricky Henderson, do I get the Ricky Henderson bonus or no? No, you get a, a, a Laurel and Hardy handshake. I'll pass on that. All right, next we have got. Well, I got a Giancarlo Stanton card uh, from '91. Uh, oh yeah. no, this is Mike Stanton. Oh well, same idea. Well, that's what isn't that what Giancarlo went by when he first got into the big leagues? It sure was. Yeah. So uh, this is actual Mike Stanton, pitcher for Atlanta. Uh, let's see, Mike Stanton, three World Series rings. That's uh, that's a good number, right there of rings. Yeah. Uh, all of them came with the Yankees. Where man, he was with uh, with the Yankees for quite a while. In 1991, let's see, he was still with Atlanta. He went five and five with a 2.88 ERA in 74 games. He had seven saves and a 136 ERA plus. Came in eighth in the Rookie of the Year balloting, and all of that will equal a WAR of 2.4. Wow! Wow! For a reliever, didn't see that coming. No, but I'll take it. Take it all day. So that'll bump me up to 4.3. I like that. You need to have some bad luck here, pal. Help me out a little. You mean like uh, discarding Ricky Henderson and Nolan Ryan cards? <laughs> no, not that bad. Uh, well, uh, Mike Stanton holds a, uh, a record, a Major League Baseball record. He struck out four batters in one inning. Nice. He's yeah. tied with a few guys. Yeah, I think a couple of guys have done that. Uh, and I see the words Mitchell report here. No, 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 don't know anything about it. Fortunately, that does not hurt me this year. All right, moving on to my next card. I have got a guy, pitcher for the Bucks, Ted Reston Power. Nice. That is just a great name, Ted Power. I want him to be a finesse pitcher, like just throws junk. <laughs> that would be awesome. Let's see, Ted Power, 13 years in the big leagues, uh, six with the Reds, and then just scattered about, including his final season with the Mariners in 1993. Mm. Let's see, in 92 with Cleveland, he went 3-3, three and three, a 2.54 ERA in 64 games, six saves, a 155 ERA plus, and that will equal a positive .8. He was with the Mariners that last year, so that'll be a .9. Uh, he has got a mustache. So that'll be a 1.0, and he's got real stirrups on, so that will be a positive 1.1. Nice. Ted Power. Yeah. I, nice. Again, didn't see that coming. Yeah, my pitching is really the strength of my uh, of my team here. Obviously. Let's see, he had a slider. I wonder if, they, I wonder if it was classified as a power slider. <laughs> I, th- I would just throw the word power in front of all of his repertoire. Absolutely, power changeup. <laughs> power knuckleball. All right, so uh, next, ooh, I've got a good card here. I've got a Hall of Famer, and it's an MVP card, and uh, he's got a mustache. This is a guy we talked about one time who he took a long time to walk in from the dugout because he was always trying to get the grounds crew overtime. It's Lee Smith. There you go. Lee had a, a very good stare as a reliever as well. Yeah, and he was huge. Oh, well, I mean, we talked about this. I, th- I think he wanted to play basketball, just like Cecil Fielder. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, 
But uh, yeah, ended up playing baseball and became a Hall of Famer. Probably a good choice. <laughs> yeah. Seven-time All-Star, three-time Rolades reliever of the year, 18 years in the big leagues, eight of it with Chicago, four with the Cardinals, and then a bunch of other teams. Let's see, in 1991, he was an All-Star. I like that. Went six and three, led the league with 47 saves, 73 innings pitched, 67 home runs, a 158 ERA plus, came in second in the Cy Young voting and eighth in the MVP voting. Mm. And all of this will equate to a war of 2.3. He's a Hall of Famer, so that is a 3.3, and the mustache is a 3.4. I like it. That'll bump me up to 8.8. You finish with a 9.4. And I I still got a shot. You really have to be bad. I have three cards left. Exactly. You really have to be, like, bad, like the guys I got bad. Yeah, now, I I don't remember. So I remember uh, Baseball Reference used to be able to sponsor individual pages, right? I didn't think you could do that anymore. But uh, David L. Fishman, MD, is the official sponsor of this page, and and his uh, message is, in all caps, get this man to Cooperstown. Don't let another former cub be slighted. <laughs> so I don't okay. know if this is, I, I need That's to contact my senator to see if I can sponsor Ricky Henderson's page or not. Yeah, it's probably a good idea to check before someone else does. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to edit this out so that nobody else thinks about it. That's it. Of course, my senator is Diane Feinstein, so she won't remember as soon as I walk out of the room. So, <laughs> Ouch. I've got three cards left. My next card is an O. If one of us would have chosen the A's today, we would have been doing very well. Uh, this guy dated a go-go. Uh, we, we talk about that quite often because now we know that two pitchers dated go-go's. Yes. But uh, here it is, Bob Welch. And please, I think 91, no, 90, I think, was his B. It was a Cy Young, wasn't it? Mm, I mean, we'll find, we'll find out here in one minute. But <laughs> let's see, Bob Welch. 17 years in the big leagues. Yeah, 1990 was his Cy Young Award, 27 and 6. 1991, a little bit different. <laughs> 12 and 13 with a 4.58 ERA. So, wow. A little bit of a downturn there. <laughs> 83 so. ERA plus, and uh, all of that equals a war of minus 0.4. Ooh, ooh, that's looking good. Yeah, that's not uh, for you. But. Wow, but I mean, so his Cy Young year, he had a 2.9 war. His 87 year with the Dodgers, he had a 7.1 war. Oh, jeez. Yeah, he went 15 and 9 with a 3.22 ERA, but just was unhittable. I guess so. Uh, let's see. We've talked about Welch quite a bit. Unfortunately, had an accident and passed away in 2014. All right, I got two cards left, and I am exactly one point away. Uh, good news for me is this guy is a Met. That's short for Metropolitans, Mark. Uh, and that is my team. And it is none other than catcher Charlie O'Brien. Ooh, Charlie O'Brien. Absolutely. Now, Charlie always had a mustache, but he does not in this photo. <laughs> what? Dang it, Charlie. Let's see. 15 years in the uh, big leagues. Nice curly hair, though. Like, oh, yeah. I'm assuming that's a natural curl. Or he just stuck with the perm. His whole career. Uh, let's see. In 91, only 69 games. Hit 180. I don't like the way this is trending. Hit 185. Two home runs. 14 RBI. A 51 OPS plus. <laughs> and a war of minus 0.2. Now, he is a Met. So that'll only be a positive 0.3 for me. Mm. This is really 
Really? It's a nail biter. This is getting down to it. Yeah. Oh, wow. I forgot about this. Charlie O'Brien was the first catcher to don a hockey style catcher mask. Oh, really? I remember that now that uh, now that now that we say it, but I would have never put that with him as having done it. The A's traded O'Brien with Steve Kiefer. Remember we had Steve Kiefer a little while ago and we'd never heard of him? Yep. (laughs) There he is. He's uh, back up. O'Brien caught 11 different Cy Young Award winners over his career. Wow. But he only caught three during their Cy Young season. Well, okay. So that's kind of a slight. Uh, Come on, Wikipedia. You can do better than that. All right, so I'm down to my final card. Uh, I am laying 8.7. You're at 9.4. It's a tight one, folks. So if if it's a tie, the way we determine a winner is whoever gave up the fewest amount of Hall of Famers in the cards that don't count. (laughs) Wait, I thought it was a a Vulcan knife fight. (laughs) We're not in the same studio today, so we can't do that. But I think you should be feeling good because my pit, my, my final card is a pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds, Tim Leana. (laughs) I didn't mean to laugh, but who? (laughs) I remember Tim Leana, but I don't feel like we're going to get a bunch of points out of him. I mean, he, he's, Undoubtedly won a World Series with the 1980 or uh, 1990. Uh, no, he did not appear. Okay, well, he got a ring. Uh, they they say he didn't win a World Series, but he appeared in 55 games for the Reds in 1990. So I'm pretty sure he got a ring in probably I'm the sure full year. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, 1991, he only appeared in 22 games. He went 0-2 with a 6.97 ERA. I'm, I can't go on. All of this equals a war of minus 0.6. <laughs> oh, not the best offensive day in Wax Packs heroes. So this is definitely from spring training because he's got a mesh cap on, and I'm pretty sure we get a whole point and a half for mesh caps, right? <laughs> Didn't we work that in? Uh, it depends. Uh, I think it's 1.1. <laughs> Unless there are red and then it's 1.5. So Tim Leanna screwed me again. <laughs> Once again, that'll take me eight point four, and we'll hand you a win with nine point four. <laughs> we limped across the finish line yeah, here. We've had better packs, but uh, congratulations! That shrinks my lead to one. It's now ten to eleven, and that will wrap up this uh, episode of Wax Packs Heroes. So, it's going to do it for this episode this week. Thank you very much. If you want more of us, you can find us on all the socials. We're at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise. And uh, we will see you if you send us a DM on any of those. And we will probably 100% respond. Also, we have an email address that Mark, I can guarantee, will respond on. Yes, Two Strike Noise. Spell it out TWO Strike Noise at gmail.com. I'm thinking about bending this Nolan Ryan card just to spite you. Well, it's a 91 score. It's no, it's, worth a, about- it's a 92 score. So oh, it's, even- it's worth like, well, it's not worth anything. Yeah, I'll keep it and hand it to you next time. <laughs> See, how about that? Uh, <laughs> we're, to have. Yeah, we're not, well, we're not going to bend it. All right, that'll do it. Thank you again, uh, everybody. Uh, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week on another episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. 